Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside here on the Gridcoin Discord server. Today is September 25th. It's a little after 3.30 p.m., but we usually start at around 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And everyone is welcome to join through the text or voice chat. Text chat where we have an adorable picture of a little kid there. Oh my god, what is going on? <laughs> oh my god. You win the game of Make Jeringo Laugh while he's talking. <laughs> oh stop it stop it uh okay uh we were before the show talking about the priorities of gridcoin and where we should be going in 2021 and that's what we're going to continue talking about during the show today all right well the big news then before we get going of course is still the major update called fern or gridcoin 3 no gridcoin 5.0 um it's it's here so the big thing you need to know about gridcoin 5.0 is it is the team requirement removal so you can now crunch grid crunch approved white or approved boink projects my lord and get rewarded with gridcoin while being on any team you don't need to be on the gridcoin team how cool is that looking forward to seeing what happens with this new freedom uh for folks uh and the super big news the most important thing with Fern is that you need to update now. You need to update by October 4th. Uh, you need to update by October 4th because there's a blight block height trigger in the code, which sounds super awesome. <laughs> like it's going to blow something up, and it is if you don't update. <laughs> so what happens at that block height trigger is the uh, protocol shifts to the new protocol. Uh, and if you do not update by the time that shift happens, you're going to be on your brand new Gridcoin fork. <laughs> and what does that get you? A really horrible network because it's the Gridcoin fork that no one else is going to be running. And you're really not going to be doing anything great for anyone, really, not even yourself. So you want to be updated and ready to go by the time that nuke goes off, which is estimated to be around October 4th. And then the second biggest thing is you then need to renew your up your beacon after the block height trigger, but before two weeks after the block height trigger. Let me break that down for you in a simpler way. On October 6th, what you're going to do, assuming you've already updated, is you're going to renew your beacon and you're good. You're good to go at that point. Now, if you don't make it on October 6th, fine. Okay, do it by October 16th and you're good to go. Fine. Great. Easy thing. You got like one and a half weeks to renew your beacon. Uh, if you don't do it by that point, you're going to have to uh, renew your beacon afterwards, but it's a, a, a different process. You might lose some stuff in the transition. The whole reason for this is uh, Sci Sci and Jim did some magic to fix a lot of stuff in the Gridcoin code base, including a lot of things with the beacon process. Um, the new beacon process is more secure than the old one. Uh, and, and just better all around. But in order to get to that new happy place, you have to jump the fence. It's a, it's a proactive step to jump the fence from the dark and dreary to bright and happy. So you have to take that step. And if you kind of just like forget to jump, you're going to walk into the fence. You'll make it across eventually. But, you know, there's some scrapes and bruises along the way. <laughs> wow. That might be my favorite metaphor <laughs> on this show. <laughs> All right. This time, the grass really is greener on the other side, Daz. Absolutely. 
<laughs> All right. So that is the big news for an update. Update your wallet. Re- renew your beacon after October 6th. And let's bring Gridcoin into the new era. I'm new. How do I jump the fence? Like, how and what do I need to do? Uh, there's a re- renew beacon wizard in the client. So you will follow that wizard. Uh, you will advertise a beacon and then you will validate that beacon. I'm not going to try to speak to it because I don't have every step in front of me. I will probably, yeah, I'll probably try to put out a tutorial before the whole block height trigger and everything. But to be completely honest, I've been mad busy and haven't even updated my wallets yet. Shame on me. Shame on me all the way. I'm a horrible grid coiner. All right. So what is the future like for Gridcoin? If you want to hear about sort of the higher level stuff, how Gridcoin uh, might seek to disrupt, and I hate using that word, but disrupt the scientific system, or rather transition the scientific system into the scientific system of the future uh, with brand new institutions built on top of the great work of the old, go listen to, I think it's two episodes ago, uh, where we talk about the ideas of Gridcoin. Um, but in terms of just like down to earth, what the heck are we going to do next? We've got a handy a dandy roadmap that was put together in September of 2019. So about one year ago, one year ago today. It's been a fun year, guys. Uh, from that roadmap, the major things that it seems like people in the chat want to get work done. And I'll, I'll this is what we were talking about before the show. People were saying, let's finish up the COVID work. So that has to do with uh, prioritizing one uh, whitelisted project over another. That's an interesting concept that has to do with how our magnitude system works. And if you're not familiar with a magnitude system, I will briefly describe it here, but it is a bit complex and we need to simplify it. Uh, so there is a set of Boink projects that are on the Gridcoin whitelist, let's say 20. Uh, each one of them is given the same amount of magnitude. Um, the crunchers of a project then fight over the share of that magnitude. Gridcoin is then distributed based on a user's magnitude. So if I am crunching a project that has no other, so there's there's 20 projects, let's say each one of them gets 10 magnitude for 200 total magnitude. If I'm crunching a project that has no other person crunching it, I'm going to get 10 magnitude for crunching that project, no matter what happens. Now, if there are more than one person crunching that project, their magnitude is going to be divided among us based on the amount of work we do for that specific project. So I might get two magnitude and the other person might be get eight because they have earned more credits on that specific project than me. The reason we have to do this for each project, we, so basically we're, we're splitting Gridcoin up to each individual project and then divvying it up based on contributions to each individual project, right? And so if I crunch more than one project, my magnitude earned from each one of those projects is then summed up. Uh, so the reason we do this is because the credit distribution system in Boink is um, it's a federated system. Each project can make its own uh, credit um, uh, distribution mechanism, so to speak. So we say relative work to each individual project will give relative rewards for each individual project. Um, so that's magnitude. And there are better ways to do it. It's actually a pretty solid way right now. Like, honestly, one of the better things from a legacy Gridcoin, the magnitude 
distribution mechanism. It has a couple cool side effects. One of which is it, in theory, and I think in, in heuristically through practice, uh, it flattens the curve of where crunchers go to do work. Um, if I am, as we say, as we have said on this podcast, Gridcoin utilizes greed to get people to do science. So if I want to make money, I have to crunch Boink projects. If I want to make more money, I have to crunch more Boink projects. That's a really cool concept. Uh, so in the same vein, let's say I'm a greedy person trying to make the most money, and I see that there is a Boink project, a whitelisted Boink project with zero crunchers on it. I'm going to go to that project to get all that magnitude. So are a bunch of other people because they want to flatten. That's where they're going to make the most money. They're profit seekers. That's fine. As long as we have a good whitelisting process that doesn't whitelist junk projects, that is pretty cool because it flattens the curve. It distributes computation power of the Gridcoin network across every whitelisted project fairly evenly. Uh, there are a lot of different discussions around this. Like, yes, uh, if there's a project that a lot of people are really excited about, they're going to go to that project. But what that does is that reduces magnitude for everyone on that project. And the, in the, the great scale of greedity, the more greedy of people are going to be like, well, I'm excited about this project, but I'm making so little money. I'm going to go to a project I'm less excited about because I'm making more money over there. So they'll weigh their options. So the flattening, the even distribution of computation across all whitelisted projects is still in effect uh, because everyone has a level of greed to them. You can't deny it. Come on, man. I did not have sexual relations. <laughs> uh, so to, <laughs> to finish up the COVID work, what that would mean is we would have to incentivize people to get um, to want to crunch projects like Rosetta at Home or TN Grid. That would mean we would have to skew the magnitude distribution in favor of those projects. That would make more people want to go crunch those projects and get those work, that work done uh, faster. Uh, there have been many debates between me and I Like Chocolate in particular on this uh, particular subject. And we, Chocolate's done some writing on it too, some damn fine writing. Um, on what he he thinks we could do. I, I think him and I have both come to the agreement that there is a middle ground because I do love dynamic systems. Uh, but for example, some ways people think we might be able to do uh, dynamic magnitude is a project can pay to have their magnitude elevated for either it's permanent or it's a certain amount of time, or maybe they the way I would implement that concept is they would stake Gridcoin onto the blockchain. and by staking Gridcoin, they're elevating their magnitude. Now they're not paying that Gridcoin, but what they're doing is locking it up. They're effectively taking it out of immediate circulation. They could at any time unstake the Gridcoin and sell it, uh, but that would reduce the amount of magnitude they get on their uh, on their project, and the result of that would decrease the amount of computations that are given to that project. Uh, but if a project uh, if a Boink project has to stake Gridcoin to increase their magnitude, we would be able to do the COVID work faster because people would donate to Rosetta if other people could also stake onto a Boink project um, so that they, they could elevate the amount of magnitude assigned to that Boink project. What that would do is lock Gridcoin up uh, and that can be measured as, as a health of the network metric. And 
provide a service. That's a utility. It's a pretty cool thing. Uh, and what would happen is one of two things or both things. Either the projects that are, well, a couple things, actually. The projects that are best at communicating and convincing people that their project is awesome and getting people on board and excited about the project will get more grid coins staked behind them and therefore get a greater share of the magnitude. The projects with the most funding behind them will buy the most GRC, stake it on their project, and get the most magnitude on their project. Uh, and the projects which are run in closets in people's computer or, or run on people's laptops in their closet are probably going to drift into obscurity because they're not going to have the funding or the time and energy to both run a Boink project and um, get uh, GRC to stake on their project, like do either the science comms, science communication, or actually buy GRC and stake it. But so there, those are the pros and cons to all of this, right? Trade-offs. But if we built a system where there was a minimum magnitude across all Boink projects, so if you get whitelisted as a Boink project, you are guaranteed a minimum magnitude so that at some point people are going to go to your project because it makes them the most money. Um, World Community Grid can only get so big before uh, the, the greed factor starts to kick in and people are like, I love World Community Grid, but you know what? I'm not making enough money. I will go to a different project to make a little more money. Uh, if we had that minimum magnitude and then staking Gridcoin to increase magnitude on top of that went into effect, I could see that system working pretty well. The details would, of course, have to be worked out. Um, but the, there's, there's, there was another aspect to this. Oh, so a project, people stake their grid coin on a project. Its magnitude gets up, gets pumped up. People uh, then unstake their GRC behind a project and move it to another one. What's happening there is people are speaking it's democracy. People are speaking with their money as to what science they want to see. You build a fluid system of science incentivization. So if at some point in yeah, the, the annals of time, right? Annals? Did I just say annals? <laughs> at some point, the annals of time, uh, we need more uh, computation power behind uh, like space research people will society will probably be excited about this and they will stake their grc on space projects but then 10 years later we need more there's another pandemic right so we need more health research they'll go back to rosetta at home right so you have this fluid uh, measure of what people find interesting in the world of science based on where they stake their grc they're speaking with their money uh, so that is how we can get the COVID projects done faster, how we can change the magnitude system to incentivize different projects at different points of time. And I think because this part of Gridcoin is so intertwined with the other stuff that we want to do, I think this should be and is at the top of a lot of people's minds. Because for example, and Jim, I want to hear your thoughts on this in a little bit here. Uh, for example, the um, something that's been talked about a lot as wanting to be like sort of right after Fern is getting other computation platforms into the Gridcoin network. So folding at home is the example we use a lot. Maybe we can figure out a way to incentivize folding at home crunching. How cool would that be? In order to do that, 
we need to figure out how the economics of Gridcoin are going to work. I mean, really figure it out. We laid a solid foundation with the CBR proposal. That was mostly me and Jim doing a lot of the work with the help of a lot of other people on Slack. Um, but that was kind of patchwork to get to where we are now. Uh, and it, I, it defined the amount of Gridcoin going to researchers, the amount of Gridcoin going to stakers. It defined the two schools we have in our um, network. Well, now we're going to have the amount of Gridcoin going to stakers, the amount of Gridcoin going to Boink researchers, and the amount of Gridcoin going to folding at home. How do we, how do we co- incorporate all of that? And let's assume that we're going to have more and more um, participants, let's call them, in our network in the future. How do we fold more computing uh, platforms into our incentive mechanism in a smooth way? Let's plan that out. Uh, because folding at home rewards people with points in a different way that all the Boink projects do. And the cool thing is we've already kind of played with the concepts here because every Boink project rewards points in a different way. So we have this magnitude concept, which is really, really cool. And it's just how do we fold that all in with folding at home in the economics? So I'm going to catch up on the chat here. And Jim, the question today is what are what do we think we should be prioritizing in the coming months and in 2021? Uh, Random Daz says it would be so cool for rewarding for folding at home as well. It's a nice step to expand. Um, absolutely. I think it would be really neat. So uh, go one, ahead, one approach to doing folding at home, which is actually not that extraordinarily difficult, is to write an adapter that basically absorbs folding at home statistics and then converts it into the form that our network can process. And in which case the folding at home becomes much like World Community Grid. It's an it's a umbrella project that holds a bunch of sub-projects, which then takes, it, it effectively becomes a whitelisted project. And then it just sort of, it, it, it gets paid out just like WCDG does. That's probably the easiest pathway to get folding at home into the network. And quite frankly, it might be the right stepping stone because, you know, it's probably going to take us a longer time to figure out if we want to change the reward scheme for projects across the board right so so folding at home would just be given another equal share of magnitude yep it'd be just like another whitelisted project so that's the easiest way to do it um well do you think that is one of like the next things that we should be focusing on or or where where do you think we should be i I think it's i think it certainly would would broaden the uh reach of Bitcoin. it's going to get a lot more people involved i think um you know, Sci-Sci and I have already talked about it, and, and quite frankly, he's he's been interested in writing that adapter. It's not terribly difficult to do. Um, the uh, so yeah, I think I think it's something that we could do. You know, in pretty short term, that would be a nice stepping stone. And by the way, it doesn't even require um, a mandatory anything like that. It, we could just write it in such a way that it plugs into the existing networks, becomes another whitelisted project. So cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that's you know, look. We're going to have to rub up against the larger issue which you were you were talking about, which is you know the 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 overall reward dynamics. How many grid coin are we rewarding? You know how does that work as the number of participants grows and grows and grows and and different things like that. Those are longer term issues that we're eventually going to have to address. But you know that doesn't have we can do this. Uh, we can get folding in in there before we before we really uh, address those longer range things. Awesome. Yeah, that would be really cool. Sorry, did you want to say something here? I thought he was saying oh, Yeah, I was going to say that I've already started working on the proof of concept for that. 
and the statistics part is is pretty easy to do. We just need to build a, a UI around the website and get the authentication piece is working for. And after after that happens, it'll become a community proposal where we can decide if what we have is is the way we want to move forward, and um, there'll be a poll involved with that. The other kinds of stuff that we do just for a regular whitelist project, a regular new whitelist whitelist project. Awesome. That's really cool. So that's that. That's I think that's a great first like next thing to be doing because uh, Jim, like you were saying, it brings us to a, a huge audience. Folding at Home is a very large project. It is the largest supercomputer in the world right now uh, with some major corporate backers. Uh, so we're not going to be getting all of that like official support or anything like that, but we're bringing it we're bringing Gridcoin in front of the eyes of these people and a lot more of them. Um, and then also just like crunchers. There's a lot of people that contribute to folding at home. There uh, are, there are. And you know, I, since, since we're not preventing, uh, you know, double mining, you know, some other coins that would overlap with us that support folding, uh, they're not mutually exclusive. Right. So I think, um, in other words, we're not going to force people not to mine some other coin because they want to. They want to mine with Gridcoin with folding at home. The more, the merrier is sort of the concept there, and yeah. I think I think that's good. You know, I know a number of people are already uh, double dipping. Uh, I do with uh, with Obite and WCG along with you know Gridcoin for WCG. Although, as you were alluding to, WCG has got so many people in it that to get magnitude on WCG now is pretty hard. But um, you know, still, you still you can you know you can make maximum use of uh, your resources and uh, give people choices. Yeah. Um, you know, Chocolate. I think the other one other thing comment too is we have to decide um, one major major item that keeps on being mentioned by folks that I think we're going to have to come to grips with is M MRC and mm -hmm. uh, what role that's going to play in the future. Um, some of the pressure on getting MRC out the door has been removed by the fact that we got rid of the 180 day limit on the rewards accrual in in fern you still have to renew your beacon every 180 days but you won't your your accruals will continue to accrue no matter how long you go between stakes which takes some of the pressure off of manual rewards claims but um by the way that's what mrc stands for yeah let me give a little uh, a, a quick summary for mrc and what it, its effects might be yeah so that might be a good idea because there's some people that may not know yeah mrc is manual rewards claims the idea behind it uh, is that you would essentially click a button and get your research rewards that are waiting for you instead of having to wait to stake a block to get your research rewards. Now, you would have to pay a little bit of a fee to do that because when you click that button, you are putting stress on the network. So if you put a fee on the button and as the button gets used, you know the, the fee increases, it, it serves the same purpose as the transaction fee. So it, it becomes more expensive to use it the more people that are using it. Uh, it also might have a limiter per client where you, you can only click it every so often. Uh, there's a couple different implementation ideas on that, but essentially you can't spam the button. Uh, and and a, a, an effect of this is uh, another fee on the network. It's an actual utility of the coin. It's not a use. It's not like going to buy bread. It's an actual utility. In order to get your research rewards, you must interact with the network. And in order to interact with the network, you must use GRC. It's like paying taxes in the United States. You must use US dollars. So it, it has a pretty cool effect to it. But like Jim was saying, it's uh, it was very high on the priority list because people would lose the research rewards after 180 days. It is no longer necessary 
to put the, this this feature in because people don't lose their research rewards after 100, 180 days, but it might still be a good idea to put towards the top of the list. Well, I think it is because, you know, as much as we've tried to, uh, on the website, you know, to remind people you should have 5K GRC if you want to solo mine. I mean, people people never read. And, <laughs> uh, and you know, they, they, they go through the, you know, and, and we by the way, we make Gridcoin a lot easier to set up with the wizard. But still, I mean, people go through the effort of setting it up, and then they, you, you know, you get questions like, "Well, why am I not getting any, uh, any GRC?" And you just sort of poke around. And they have three GRC in there, and and then you have to explain to them, "Well, you know, you're gonna, it's gonna take you a thousand years to stake." <laughs> well, that not a thousand years, but a long time. You're gonna be around a long time before you stake with that kind of GRC. So, uh, the idea of having MRC allows people a third, you know, sort of a third option between solo and doing the pool. And, uh, but, you know, it has to be very carefully designed to make sure uh, that, that, you know, there's a, the fee structure that discourages abuse of it. And, yeah. uh, and we've had some of those discussions and uh, pretty detailed ones, by the way, including some, some mathematical modeling I did a while back, which we can dust off. But I, I think, I personally believe that MRC needs to be a priority. I, I think that it's not quite as high on the list as it was before, but it's, it's pretty far up there. I, I think that, this notion of, uh, you know, Gridcoin is an exercise in patience. So I like to tell people that, but, but uh, most people are not patient. And uh, even if you theoretically could get your rewards after 18 months because your balance is so low, who's going to actually wait around and, and do that? And I yeah. think that, so, so I think, I think having some relief valve to be able to get some gratification that you can push a button and get your money, even if a significant fee is taken out of it, I think is very important. Yeah, and like I also think that MRC should be at the top of the list uh, for those reasons. And I just like that with the magnitude um, redefinitions, if we use staking to change magnitude, uh, we have developed an economic metric, which can be measured, and we can gauge the health of the network through that. If we develop MRC, we've developed a new economic metric we can use to measure the health of the network i think i'm saying everything right here <laughs> yeah, but, we'll, be uh, able, we'll be able to track how many mrc transactions there are because the way we would implement it is there'd actually be a, probably a couple of contracts that are specifically related to mrc in the network much like we have contracts for people when when they vote contracts for people yep. you know that advertise a beacon we've, we've basically got everything laid out so that all that kind of stuff is actually there's a formal contract that gets uh, yeah. put in transact, it, so. the more of these metrics we develop uh and it, it gives people more things to actually work towards like in in order to improve the network okay beacons is one of our great things we can measure we want to increase the number of beacons advertised on the network uh, because that means that more people are coming to the network. We want to increase the number of transactions on a network. Velocity on a blockchain network is a, the basic, simplest metric to measure. Uh, what's the price of a transaction? If it, as it goes up, that's actually a, kind of a good thing. It means the network's healthy. It's being used on the stuff. You don't want it going up like crazy and then all that stuff. And then MRC fees, uh, we can track out the networks, how much is GRC is staked up in specific either voting mechanisms or uh, magnitude mechanisms. These are all healthy things or things we can measure. And then someone can go out and say, I want to increase the uh, number of GRC locked up for magnitude increases. So they can go out and do that. It's like saying when you're marketing, 
I want to increase the uh, the percent engagement or the the click through rate for my content. It's the same stuff except for the network. So MRC, I agree, top of not top of, but very close to the top of uh, the list. Yeah. What else we have? A, I mean, the GUI thing, the GUI, getting like that new GUI that Max made implemented is like the top of the list, but we I need think, someone to build it. <laughs> I mean, we've done, I mean, SciSci and I have done the best we could. Uh, we you did a great job. Obviously, Fern has a lot of uh, refinements in the GUI. We, we did a lot of work, a lot more than we actually originally had planned to try and make the, the existing GUI better. But it, it, you know, unfortunately, it is kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. It's uh, it's a beautiful pig, Jim. Yeah, it, need lipstick. Lot, it is a lot better. <laughs> we put new icons in and we straightened a lot of things out and, and we can continue to improve it. But, you know, the biggest problem with it is that um, it's tightly coupled to the underlying core. And so you can't, you, we've had a number of people that have asked, well, I want to run the, 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 uh, the, the headless version on a server and I want to connect to that with a GUI that's not running the core on another machine. And that is just, just cannot be done with the existing GUI. It's got to be separated out. And, you know, if you're going to go through the trouble of doing that, you might as well rewrite the entire GUI and clean out a lot of the crud that's in there. There's still some cruddy code. And by the way, that cruddy code comes straight from Bitcoin core. I mean, you know, the Bitcoin core is really nicely written in most places now, but, the GUI code is crappy, and uh, it remains that way. And you know, it's it's crappy. We inherited the crappiness, and uh, and the crappiness hadn't gotten much better in the existing GUI uh, Bitcoin core because that's just they just really don't concentrate on that too much because they know that you know with Bitcoin, for example, they got other wallets that play that do much more on the front end, right? So they don't really mess. They don't really do a lot of work on the on the pretty factor on the GUI. So we're we're gonna have to roll our own. GUI front end, and that's what that bounty is all about. I, I would hope that someone would bite on that. Um, I feel I feel good that you know now that we we've, we've had some significant um, positive developments and in, in development that uh, someone will get interested in that, and we'll eventually see uh, someone bite off on it. It is a five hundred and twelve thousand. I think it's twelve or twenty two five hundred and something thousand GRC bounty. I will put the link to the in the description of this video. It's just right there on GitHub. It's a bounty raised by uh, uh, by the community and then fund matched by our foundation funds. So it's a pretty neat thing to see. The community will love you if you build it. That's that's right. It's a big one. Um, so it's uh, you know we we hope that uh, someone will take us up on it. Um, yeah. Yeah. What what else have we got? I'm looking at the, uh, the roadmap we put out in September. Uh, marketing is a big one. Marketing we can continue to do um, while uh, technical people work on technical things. So there's the Dot World website, which is basically set up and ready to go. There's a couple things that need to get uh, tweaked out. And then once it's all set up in Jekyll, I'm going to jump in and write everything uh, for because I can just do it in Markdown. Uh, yeah. And that'll make life very easy for me. Um, and we'll have a website with a bit more documentation and a bit more palatable uh, format for all the new people that we hope come over now that the team requirement is removed. Uh, and just while around marketing really quick, I'll run down the other things that we really should be looking at, which is getting on other exchanges, uh, getting uh, some 
random dads. I'm about to say literally what you said, getting some real scientists up in here. We've got some folks who are like PhD candidates and all that stuff in the community, but we got to uh, start to get the, is it just a little more uh, uh, recognition, a little more notoriety in the scientific space for the stuff we can do. Um, continue to um, form relationships with Boink projects and, and the Boink community at large uh, in good faith. Uh, we can start looking at actually advertising some places if we want. Um, it's I feel more comfortable doing stuff like that if the whales would give Jim and SciSci or the foundation a bunch of money because that stuff costs money. Um, stuff like that. I, we should set up an initiatives program where um, people can uh, get GRC easily, quickly, without having to do a poll. So we would put like 5 million GRC into initiatives program and someone can come in and ask uh, a committee who oversees this program, hey, can I get um, 100,000 GRC to get t-shirts for this conference that me and my friends are going to that is going to reach a wide audience and blah, 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 blah. A program like that would be great. Um, yeah, those are just some some thoughts off the top of my head on what we should be doing with marketing, but we do need to step up the marketing in the coming weeks, months, and especially next year. Uh, from a technical perspective, though, uh, we were talking before the show about the whitelist and graylist automation and how that's a, it seems to be a, it would be nice to have, but it's not necessary right now sort of that's thing. The one, that's the one part that we were hoping to get in Fern that we just couldn't get in. Uh, we had started work on it, but you know, it, this thing was huge enough as it was, and we felt like that was the probably the most expendable uh, thing because um, you know, eventually we'd like to do that. Um, but I, I do agree. Like, it doesn't seem terribly important right now. So I, uh, so I was saying that it's like we're not that big. We're not big enough yet where it's a burden to manage the waitlist. Um, but once it does get automated, then we will. It'll be harder to have junk polls. On whitelisted projects, I think so too. And I, by the way, I want to. I, I think before we, I'm, I'm really thinking we ought to review and have a community discussion around the the gray list and whitelist rules again before we go to the trouble of doing full. You know, because we we talked about what is it the, uh, um, you know, the zero credit day uh, trip point and the uh, the uh, the work app the work work uh, availability score and all that kind of stuff. I think we we probably need to review that to to make sure that that's really the kind of rules that we want as we scale this thing up, right? So those rules were really set up too for a rather small, you know, a small scale type of thing, and, mm -hmm. you know. So anyway, I I think we I think we have time to to have a further discussion on that and then we can really plan out what we want to do with uh, automated gray listing. Yeah. And, and by the way, gray listing is a lot easier than than, than a structured whitelisting approach, right? That is hard because that involves, you know, there's a lot of dimensions that go into qualifying a, a project for whitelisting, and then you have to go through a defined poll process and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And and so that the gray listing, which is temporarily putting a project, taking the project off the whitelist because it doesn't meet certain criteria, is a lot easier to do. So the gray listing component is much easier than the white listing component. Uh, yeah, it, it might have to turn into another type of staking system where if you want, uh, there are there's just a list of blank projects uh, pulled somewhere from somewhere, scraped from somewhere, and if you want that project whitelisted, uh, you stake GRC behind it or you stake your magnitude behind it or something like that. But something like that, and then the question I think the community's got to get has got to make a decision as to whether 
that is effectively a popularity cost, right? In other words, it is are whitelist projects because the most you know people basically vote on them the most, or or you know historically there's been some degree of and by the way, this is where a lot of the most rancorous debates have happened in, in our community is around whether a project deserves, you know, I'll put quote around the word deserves. What does that mean for a project to be to deserve to be whitelisted? And I'm, I'm you know what I'm referring to, Jay Ringo. I'm not I'm mm-hmm. one, one is whether the project is technically capable of being being whitelisted. And what that means is, and, and that, you know, everyone can go look at the criteria. But basically, there's a set of criteria, which is. You know, have you talked to the project administrator and can the project, does that project have the servers and can create the number of work units that will support the network, right? Because Gridcoin, when when Gridcoin whitelists a project, they get a lot of business, they get a lot of people participating typically. When so, we hug, we hug hard. We hug hard. That's exactly right. <laughs> so that's one. But the, the, the more conceptually is the question around, well, is it an appropriate, you know, is this project appropriate? And think about it, we've had some of these, you know, some of the pure math projects, people say, well, you know, we really shouldn't whitelist those. And other people say, well, absolutely, they deserve to be whitelisted. And I think those arguments extend farther into, you know, especially if we broaden this conceptually in the future. And, and you know, those are major friction points in the community unless we come to, to grip with how we're going to deal with that. And I think we're yeah. going to have to make some choices on what we mean by appropriate whitelisting right what does that mean right yeah i think yeah i'm i'm 100% on board this this comes down to completely redefining what the whitelist is and how it operates i think because so too. having yeah. the whitelist i think is necessary because if we have something like a blacklist or uh just let anyone come in someone's going to make a malicious blank project and we're going to incentivize it and that's the end of the network yep uh yep. so and then at the same time these intensely heated debates behind what makes good science, I think is wonderful. It is one of the reasons I am here because it encourages, it it puts monetary incentive behind the discussion of science. What makes good science? What is worthy science? And no one is here to say what is right and what is wrong, but you have to have the discussion and then you make a decision as a group. And that group right now is thousands of people uh, who vote, hundreds. Of, of people, thousands if we do really well, 10,000s if we do amazing, right? Yep. So you decentralize the decision-making process when it comes down to what is good science. And if we're capable of doing that with a whitelist, who's to say we can't do that with grants, with money? Who's to say yep. we can't do that with accreditation? Who's to say we can't do that with basically anything in the scientific system? So, so if you were to ask me to sketch out sort of where I think we ought to go with this, and we don't have the necessary structures in place, right? The idea, to me, the idea would be to create a delegated uh, evaluation committee that would evaluate the readiness of a project to be whitelisted. And I'm talking about look at the technical aspects of the project, talk to the administrator, see if they're willing to do it, so on and so forth, right? Which is essentially the first part of our procedure. And then I think I think what what happens after that is you know that information gets presented and the and that committee votes on it or whatever. And then I think the second stage is to put the whitelisting up to a formal vote, and that formal vote programmatically determines the white the outcome of that formal vote by the entire community out, actually determines the whitelisting status directly, right? Without without someone having mm-hmm. to manually plug the network and say I'm gonna I'm gonna put the whitelisting project in there. Does that make sense? So when that vote goes through, it's essentially a contract. And yeah. if the vote's approved, then the then the project's whitelisted. So it's sort of that two-step approach 
to me seems right. And you may have more sophisticated ideas, but, um, and, and by the way, someone's going to have to, those delegates are going to have to be picked, right? So this is like one of those community representation things, just a group of people that are in, because not everyone is going to ha have time or be able to look at the details of a project or even have access to the administrator to ask them questions. So that's a subset of people that the community has to, has to entrust to uh, go, go deal with the details of the project and report back that, yeah, this project's ready to go. Does that, does that make sense or not? I don't know. Yeah. And I, I see how it could work and I could see how you could build a uh, committee around it. I tend to look at things in a different way though, where it's not, um, so there's two ways to look at this. I think you you could have the committee, except it would be a rotating committee, so a, a randomly chosen rotating committee based on people who have expressed interest in this decision, making these decisions, and also have in some form a measurable something that um, indicates that they are capable of making this decision and are like invested in the network enough. Like yep. our, our stakeholders are not just some random person first day on the job coming in and now going to make a major decision for the whole network. So you have to be able to measure someone's stake in the system or their reputation score. Uh, and they have to express interest. And then that committee is constantly rotated. So it uh, makes it much more difficult to corrupt. Or you don't even have the committee. You base it on, and it, it's, this I think is very difficult to do and would require maybe a web of trust, which is a technology that no one has implemented yet or, or figured out how to, um, you would rely on the fact that the more trusted, if if I'm part of the network and if I see someone who is very trusted within the network, someone like Jim, say that this project is worthy, is technically capable of being whitelisted, I'll believe that. And if it turns out that project is not technically capable of being uh, whitelisted, Jim just lost some of my trust, right? So we're we're playing with trust here. And uh, if he says this project should be whitelisted, I'll believe him, but I'll also do my own research and vote on it. But so so I think there, yes, I think we could do it. the The first implementation is the centralized um, committee uh, vote process. And I think the end goal should be a decentralized process based on it could still be based on a committee, but it could also be based on uh, just some network theory. Yeah, I, 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 I like that a lot. Uh, and by the way, I like the web of trust idea. And you know my comments on that before, it, it's it's getting it started, right? And yeah. So I think you have to go through, even if you end up there, you got to go through this transition period, which probably looks more like your first idea. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I like that. Yeah. Smo does bring up another point too. This is another way we could do it, the dynamic system. So before the idea uh, I brought up where it just... Um, you have the list of all the Boink projects, and if someone likes a Boink project, they put their GRC and their magnitude behind it. And once that Boink project reaches a certain score, based on GRC and magnitude stake behind it, it gets put on the whitelist. If it ever drops below that score, it gets taken off the whitelist. And then on top of that system, this is really simple, you can add higher tiers. So maybe it just meets the minimum threshold. It's in tier three of the of the uh whitelist so it gets a small amount of magnitude if it gets up to tier two it gets a higher amount of magnitude if it gets up to tier one it's assigned magnitude uh that's even greater and therefore it's incentivizing more people to crunch it yep yeah i i i like that and i i think we have to be careful about the flops conversation so the number of crunchers we could do because we know you know cpids are you well they're unique enough i'll put it that way that you can you can use them as as a count Right. I, I, you guys know my view on on raw votes that, you know, 
we can't we can't count people with voting by balance because or voting by number of people because you just don't know who's unique. But CPIDs we do know are unique, at least within a reasonable degree. I mean, someone can create two CPIDs, but it gets harder as you create more. So it's you know that's that's a little bit more uh, one to one with people. But I like the the idea. I also like the idea of someone staking, you know, putting up their money on a, on a project as a as a as a show of support, and then having that key towards changing the ratio that that project gets versus just everybody getting equal share. Yeah. And for for people who might not be familiar with this concept of staking GRC or staking a coin behind something on a network, the reason this works is because someone who holds a coin in uh, blockchain is very likely to do act in a way that benefits the blockchain because that increases the value of the network at large. Uh, this You can tie this all the way back to countries. People do what's in their country's best interest in good times because it brings up the value of their country, right? They feel good about that, contributing to their nation. Uh, this is the same thing. These blockchains are just little, it's a type of nation. Uh, so if we implement a system where a project gets whitelisted or increases the amount of magnitude given to it based on how much of our nation's currency is staked behind it. Uh, what we're saying is we want stakeholders to uh, make the decision and we're, we're basically trusting some game theory that they're going to make the decisions and inform themselves because if they make the wrong decision, they hurt the value of their, of their holdings. Uh, it's a pretty interesting concept. It's blockchain is amazing. Um, staking, staking, actually staking. So staking, this is where blockchain is not amazing terminology. So <laughs> staking a block and it, they're, they're related. So when you're staking a block, what you're doing is you're saying to the network, I am locking these coins into the network and I'm not going to move them. And I am locking, because I'm doing that, I'm giving a higher probability of solving a problem, which will give me um, GRC out of our, our, our rewards program. Uh, so when I would stake behind a project, I would lock my coins into uh, a contract with that project's name on it. And maybe that contract says that I can't move those coins for like a year or something. Uh, you could think of this in terms of like when, when people, when startups get um, vested stock, uh, that stock must stay vested for one year, two years, four years, when you're hired by a company that gives you stock options, you're given like a certain amount of per certain percentage you can sell every year uh, and then like a waterfall usually at the end. So that's what is meant by staking. It's locking up your stake in something so that it can't be touched. That's right. Uh, with, with basic staking like we do in the proof of stake, you, you, the contract is trivial in the sense that all we're doing is preventing those coins from being spent for a while, right? Yeah. But, but when, we, when we talk about staking within the concept of I'm, I'm going to put up GRC to support a project, it becomes a much more sophisticated animal. You have to, you have to create probably a time-locked time smart contract, which is you know, something we'll have to implement. But you know, that's something we could do. I mean, these, these are the kind of things we've got to really talk through and figure out, is that the way we want to go and then make it happen? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think this was actually unexpected, but great discussion on the whitelisting yeah. uh, possibilities. I really, liked it. I really liked the idea of putting up GRC to, to show your support for a project and then summing all that up. And then, you know, that's sort of determining some sort of a rule that determines what the project's proportion of the network magnitude is going to be. Right. So it's pretty, pretty interesting idea. 
And the good thing about that approach is it has nothing to do with our problems around, you know, the credit system and Boink and, you know, the fact that one Boink's, one project's credits are totally different than another, right? It doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. So, and uh, I, steps I around also, yeah. also find it very interesting. Like, I, I think I kind of even like it. As long as there is a, a, a rule in there somewhere that keeps are really the cool effect of our current magnitude system that says that sort of flattens the magnitude distribution curve or the 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 computation distribution curve so that even the small unknown projects that aren't able to convince a lot of people if the network at some point says that these groups this science deserves to be whitelisted even though it's run by uh, milk in his closet uh, he's not a real like a professional quote unquote scientist um, if we agree that that science is worthwhile and it's whitelisted, it gets some incentive to it. Yeah, I look, I, I think the right way to do this is put a clamp. So the idea, yeah. which I think is what you were talking about before. So the idea is that, you know, the deviation from the, right now we, every project gets equal magnitude, right? So the idea would be your, the low end of the clamp would be like one quarter of the equal share and the high end of the clamp would be like two or three times. And then that would be the range. And you couldn't be lower than the low end of the clamp or higher than the high end. And yeah, so no, that makes sense. That's the right way to control it. So you don't end up in these situations where a project that's really small gets very few quote unquote votes and then basically gets no magnitude at all. Or a very large project gets a ridiculously high ratio just because they're, it's very popular, right? I think you gotta, I think you gotta temper it with a clamp. Uh, but within that range, it could be totally determined by what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, nope. That's convinced me. I'm on board. We have right. to figure out exactly how that clamp would work, but that's that's the where. So we've talked about um, MRC. We've talked about uh, bringing folding at home in. Uh, we've talked about uh, tweaking the. Well, we were just talking about tweaking. This is magnitude mechanism improvements. Okay. So yeah, we've talked about MRC, we've talked about bringing folding at home in, and we've talked about whitelist and graylist. Where are you putting, uh, and we've said folding at home is kind of at the top because it seems to be pretty straightforward. MRC is going to be near the top. Where are we putting whitelist, graylist, um, what we're talking about right now? Kind of the, the magnitude, I guess the magnitude distribution is what we're talking about right now. Hmm. It sounds a little more complicated than the other stuff. It is. So I think, especially if it involves a smart contract, which we, you know, we, we obviously the contracting system has been much improved. You know, it's all the crap's been taken out of it and it works correctly now, but we, we really don't have smart contracts yet. So that's, that's a, that's a piece that's a pretty, pretty big lift. Um, yeah. That's okay. actually, hard, that's harder than MRC, by the way. Yeah, I think it, it sounds it. And yeah. we'd have to figure out all the non tech there's technical problems and there's non-technical problems yeah. that one. We, we have can't to even start that. implementing it until we until we have an idea about it, it's a recursive thing because you know the technical difficulty is based on what rules you pick, right? Yeah. There's gotta be a, a discussion around, okay, well what what are the rules around the smart contracts if we go that direction? And then that that'll sort of figure it out. But you know, right off the bat it's it's a more heavy lift sort of thing than than uh, and by the way, the GRC is a project onto itself, right? I would I would treat that that's a top priority. But what's interesting about that is that's a different set of skills and a different set of issues than sort of everything we're talking about on the core side. Does that make sense? So it's like like a different track. Yeah, fact, you mean MRC, right? I'm going to have the same developers work on that. I don't I don't I'm not a GUI expert per se, and I don't want to go do that. <laughs> I can't can't do it. Somebody got this this more patient than I am can mess around with GUI widgets. It was all I could do just to create those those new uh, like the the uh, the new icons in there and 
and Sisai was dealing with it too, and he had to deal with the wizard and creating tables and you know. But it, it's you really need a GUI expert that that is used to doing that to do a great job. It's a different difference. Um, yeah, I'll I'll use this uh, beautiful setup by Jim to invite anyone who wants to come work on the project. Get in here, work on the project. Hey, come, we come do have yes. we do have a um uh, a pool of funds. I think it's thirty million or so in the uh, GRC in what we call the GRC Foundation, which is just a community managed wallet uh, that. We the intention is to use for development, but really Jim and SciSci broke it when they were doing Fern because they put in so many hours. Um, but I'm sure that if we, we you're a new developer, you're coming in, you're doing some different stuff, um, we might be able to tap into that. And I think honestly, Jim and SciSci should probably just bill and drain the foundation wallet so that Wales will fill it back up for us. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, <laughs> but. I appreciate, I appreciate the sentiment, but yeah, look, if, if we, if we have a develop, so, so the way this really works is that, and we've said this before, the developer has to come in and present a valid proposed, some valid sketch or, or proposal on what their plan is. And we'll look at it from a technical perspective and look, if, if, if we like what we see and we agree for that developer to move forward and, you know, there'll be checkpoints, you know, and the developer completes it to the satisfaction of the of the folks that are looking at it, then they're going to get paid. I mean, it's and it's a nice chunk of money. Uh, that's a big bounty. Um, cool. It's the biggest bounty I think we've ever, ever offered for anything. Um, yeah. So, uh, look, and now you won't make you rich yet, but I mean, it's a, it's a nice uh, contribution. Yeah, and I think the potential in what we're building here is actually really big. As like I gushed about in the first episode, man, like the fact that Gridcoin is still alive, like, has gone through all the stuff it's gone through, including the two big bear markets from crypto, and is still here. Just speaks to how powerful the idea behind it is. So it's just it, it's a matter of making this work technically, and uh, I I think good things will come. And I think we, I mean, you guys have given us a huge head start. Like the fern is amazing. But I will also take this opportunity to bring up the last thing on the roadmap that we haven't talked about yet. Which by the is way, by the way, before you do that, Smo's okay. idea around this around side staking might have some merit to it. We might want to look into that too. Oh, uh, he says. But what would be preferable to assess the community's trust in a project, staking or side staking? I get it now. So his uh, his his scheme is, you know, you side if you if you like this project or you trust it more, you side stake more to it, and then you could that would be. Jay, Jay Ringo, it fits into your idea of projects creating uh, re receptacle addresses to take donations, but the Verified idea side staking addresses, yeah, yeah. So you create a side staking address, which is basically you you compute the balance on that address, and the balance is proportional to the community's level of trust in that project, and you could use that to drive this as well. And that doesn't require a smart contract. So cool. that's a very interesting idea. I, I want to think about that a little bit. We should explore that a little bit more as a community. It's quite interesting. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Also leave anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but I thought that was a really good idea. No, this is. I'm, I'm reading it right now. One could also leave with project matter, how to spend the money. Yeah, that is verified size staking. That would be an interesting way to measure goods. Oh, man, Smo, that's a good idea. All right. Yeah. So yep. this last idea uh, that we haven't talked about yet has to do with funding development and other stuff like marketing as well. It's a treasury system. And some people love the concept. Some people hate the concept. But it goes back to transaction fees and uh, block rewards, uh, th which are the base um, principles behind how blockchains work. Uh, so every time someone stakes a block or creates a block, 
uh, they are rewarded with some GRC. That is that reward is their incentive to create the block. Um, what a treasury system says: What if um, instead of giving all that GRC to the person who stakes the block, they are giving a large percentage of the that GRC, but then the rest of it they're given maybe 80%. So if a 10 GRC block reward, they get eight. And then the other two GRC are sent other places automatically. So uh, one GRC could be sent to a development wallet. One GRC could be sent to a marketing wallet. Um, you could develop systems where one GRC is uh, ruled by the protocol and sent to development. And the other GRC, it has to be sent somewhere, but cannot be kept by the person who's taking the block. But the, whoever stakes the block gets to choose where to send that other one. Uh, the person who staked the block could choose where all the 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 it's essentially a tax is sent to um and you can develop stuff where people similar to how boink projects if we develop this staking or side staking metric to determine whether or not it's whitelisted or not someone could make a proposal and then people would support that proposal by either staking grc behind it or doing the side staking thing um and then once it that proposal reaches a certain threshold then um they become capable of accepting some of the uh, GRC that is surrendered in each stake. So this type of system would help us build a treasury. So for example, maybe like um, if there's ever a nonprofit in the future, it could develop itself into a reputable entity that says, if you want to help fund this nonprofit, you have to give up two GRC, send one of, G one of your GRC to us. So we will continue to do what we're doing. Um, again, this is... Uh, Okay, so um, yeah, th that's basically it. This would let us continue building um, things without worrying about draining the foundation. And it, we would not be the first people to implement this. Uh, there are many other cryptocurrencies at this point that have implemented it. Although we've been talking about it for probably three or four years now, and I don't think many people had it implemented when we first brought it up. <laughs> Uh, so we could learn from their successes and their failures and implement maybe a better system. So, yeah, I think this would be a really cool thing to have. Uh, I, I don't know what other people think about this. I'm a big uh, fan of it. You know, you, when I, when I constructed the, uh, some of the initial sort of, you know, um, draft rules that we were talking about for MRC, it was a, it was a major component of the MRC fees would be, if you recall, redirected towards, uh, you know, a treasury effectively. Cause I think, I think. I think uh, um, a treasury is a very co important component of uh, of maintaining the health of uh, something like what we have. I mean, you know, otherwise, you know, it becomes very difficult, especially as it scales, to to make all this happen. You know, so I, I'm I'm a big I'm a big proponent of it. What um, what would end up happening if we don't have something like this? And and the something like this is a treasury that is. Uh, absorbs some of the generator GRC from the protocol. And if everyone remembers from like the first episode, if you're not familiar with blockchains, the protocol is just the central bank that is minting the money. Um, so it's a treasury that absorbs some of the GRC pro from the protocol and is accessible to everyone. So if we don't have something like that, what is very probable, possible, probable maybe, to happen is that a large entity can come in and start paying for all the developments on the network because it's going to become so big that you have to pay people to develop this thing. 
Um, and that at that point, the ent that entity has control over the development of the project. You, Linux is a great example of this. Linux is run by some of the largest corporations in the world because they depend on it, yes, and but you have to pay people to develop Linux uh, and maintain it. Uh, it. It's it's kind of a necessary thing. So the goal is to prevent that from happening. And I'm not saying that people that maintain Linux are doing bad stuff, but that in itself to me is a bad thing, being dependent on large entities to maintain something that is supposed to be free and open source. So if we want to stop that structure from forming, we have to build a, a treasury that is uh, that funds itself essentially and is accessible by everyone. It doesn't actually fund itself. This money doesn't come out of nowhere, but it absorbs some of the value of the network. Um, and Nestle, to what you're saying in the chat, what he's saying is he would be in favor of increasing the mint for this purpose instead of decreasing rewards. So that is possible, but that in order to build something like this, we need to rework the entire economic system and incorporate this concept in from the ground up because you can't just inflate the problem away as, as uh, Jim reminds us all the time because he's very right. You can't just continue to print money. Um, that's what fiat does. But if you develop an economic system from the ground up that um, incorporates the ideas from the beginning, everyone knows what to expect from the beginning and you're good to go. So maybe like at the end of the day, when we rework our magnitude system and our economic system, essentially what I think is going to happen is we're just going to throw out everything we have right now, all the numbers we have right now out the window, and we're just basically going to reset the thing with a new plan from the ground up. Um, so that's how we we would approach this. Um, Random Daz says it also seems to lower the decentralization um, at that point. I think he's referring to when large entities have to step in to maintain a large open source project, as those large entities could then move it in whatever direction they want. Yes, that's what that's what I was trying to express. Thank you for being more uh, concise than me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he says that would not be the best thing. It's better to stay as decentralized as possible. And it. The reason you want to say decentralized is so that you maintain your freedom, because it, as soon as you become centralized, someone can say, no, you can't come in. If you stay decentralized, it, it, it's not all it's doing is saying anyone can come in. You're permissionless. Anyone could come in and leave and use what we built. There's no paywall. There's no there's no pay to play in Gridcoin, which is a huge thing we'll have to talk about in another episode because we're out of time here. We have to run over to the Boink radio. Yeah, this was a great, great discussion, though. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to, to breaking into uh, MRC a little more, because I think Folding at Home, you and Sai seem to like be on it like already. <laughs> well, we, he and I talked about how how we could do this, and we think the adapter approach is the right thing. To, effectively, it's, a, it's an adapter, but with a little bit of an extra GUI piece to it, which kind of makes it look like a project, too, right? So... Uh, and, it, and it solves certain issues around mapping CPIDs or the CPID equivalent to over at Folding Home. So I, I'm, uh, I think, I think this is this can be done sooner rather than later. Uh, that is really exciting. They yeah. do have no idea. Um, I, I will also point out here as we wrap up that uh, the Boink virtual Boink workshop is looks like it's going ahead. We got a bunch of people ready to get going. We're having our first uh, production team meetings in the following weeks. So. If uh, you want to get involved, you are still welcome to uh, go to boinkworkshop.org and fill out the form, and uh, I'll be in touch with you. Um, also, if you want to come in and help Gridcoin, even if you're not a developer, there are plenty of ways you can help. Documentation, 
being one of them. Uh, also, any marketing, any experience you have that you think we could use, come in and we'll use it and we'll do what we can to make this a freaking awesome coin that fights in the name of science. Yeah. All right. <laughs> That's right. Have a great weekend, everyone.